This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. I'd like for you, if you would, please, to just stand with me. I know that uh, um, we just got done with our praise and worship, but I just want to honor the Lord as we pray uh, together. And, um, um, you know, I have a message I want to share with you today that I believe has incredible value. And, um, you know, we just have to open our hearts up to him. And um, the reality is, is it's like uh, the late Charles Cap said, you know, what's important is not what I say, but what the Holy Ghost says to you through what I say. So um, we're just going to trust him today because um, there isn't anybody in your life that wants to see you be, for lack of a better way of saying it, put over or to have God's best in your life than my wife and I and also these pastors here. We want the best for you. And every time we climb into this pulpit, that's our intent. And some of the things maybe that we have to share are, you know, a little tight, but, you know, for the most part, they're right. And uh, so we just hope that in the context of that, that, that today will be defining for you. Let's not just let it be another church service. Well, we made church, you know, hallelujah, we're good for a week. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about this relationship that each and every one of us, we have with him. And so we're going to present ourselves to him today, and I'm going to communicate some things, and uh, I believe you'll be blessed. So would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we join ourselves together in prayer before you today, I want to thank you for this congregation. It isn't by coincidence, it's not by chance, but by divine design that we're all here together today. You gave birth to this church long ago, Father, for your purposes in our generation. And how grateful, how thankful we are, Father. What a privilege that it's been for us to serve within the kingdom of God, to advance it before Jesus' soon return. But God, as we, for these few moments, stand before you, Father, I'm asking you that you'll speak to our hearts, that you'll minister to us, that you will bring to light to illuminate each and every one of us, our lives, your plans, and what it is that you desire to do. And Father, I thank you for doing that in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. You may be seated. God bless you. Praise God. Let's open our Bibles this morning to 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 10. You can find that opening in your Bibles. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Hallelujah. Y'all have a good week? Huh? I tell you what, glory to God, it finally cooled off a little bit, started raining, got to love that. Farmers got to love that. How many farmers love that? Amen. And whether you realize it or not, if you're not a farmer, you ought to be glad too because somehow or another it impacts you. So anyway, uh, we're thankful for that. Hallelujah. Notice with me, if you would, in 1 Corinthians chapter, well, let's see, do I want to start that way? No, let's do it this way. Let me, let me talk to you about what I want to talk about, and then I'll talk to you about the other stuff. Um, I want to talk to you today about possessing the land, possessing your land, or we could put it another way, taking possession of what belongs to you. The, the inheritance that as believers, you as a child of God have already received. That's, that's, that's what I want to talk to you about because, you know, what we're going to look at today is the historical, uh, experience that Israel had in their relationship with God. And it has to do with them being brought out of Egypt 
and brought into the land of Canaan, or at least there was an attempt there. It took a generation before they got there. But <clears throat> all of this happened as a result of a covenant that God made with a man by the name of Abraham. And these were his descendants. And God made promise to him as an individual that in you all nations of the earth will be blessed. So these were God's people. You know, a lot of people, you know, you hear all the anti-Semitic uh, types of comments and things of this nature that are being made against the Jews. They can't help it. That's what they were born into. Why are you choosing to be so uh, mean against them? Well, of course, the main reason is the devil. He hates anything that God wants to bless. But you, on the other hand, the Bible says, if you be Christ's, then you're Abraham's seed and you're an heir according to the promise. And that's why you see all the hate. That's why you see all this lashing out. You see all these things coming against the church in these last days. But don't let that bother you. Praise God, we win. I said we win. And so we don't have to trouble ourselves about that. But when Jesus went to the cross, he paid a price. He gave his life. You know, a lot of times people will depict the crucifixion and, you know, how horrible and everything that it was. And, of course, naturally, it would be to be crucified. But there were many others that were uh, crucified as a result of the uh, Roman Empire. But the, the thing that you and I need to realize is, is we're talking about the sinless, spotless Lamb of God who went to a cross and died as a ransom for you, not in a physical sense per se, but also spiritually speaking, so that he could be raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, and in his resurrection, you could have life. So he said, I've come so that you can have life and life more abundant. Glory to God. That is God's plan. That is God's purpose. And he paid the price, and he did everything that is necessary. Did you hear that? He's done everything that it needed to be done in order for you to be free in order for you to enjoy heaven's best. Now, you may be sitting there this morning and saying, I ain't enjoying heaven's best. Well, thank God you're here. Because sure enough, we can help you. Can you say amen? amen. How many of you want to be helped? How many of you don't care? All right, well, good. I, I got a better response out of the other side. No, the Bible says this. This is uh, the uh, New uh, International Version. It says that, God's divine power has given us everything we need. Everybody say, I got it all. Now, you may not feel like it. It may not look like it. It may not smell like it or whatever. But I'm telling you, how many of you believe the Bible? Well, that's what he said. You have everything you need. You know, in the Old Testament, there was a lot of different places where the prophets would say, what do you have? And everybody would say, well, I ain't got nothing. Well, you might be surprised that there's some things that you have that you're unaware of. And of course, in every circumstance, they had something that God was able to take and bring a miraculous outcome to because of what it is they had. Well, dear friends, I got to tell you that in Christ Jesus, you, child of God, have got everything did you hear me? You've got everything you need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who's called us by his own glory and his goodness. And yet, in spite of that, I mean, you all admitted, you know, well, at least you confessed. We got everything we need. But in spite of that, we see a lot of Christians 
they're laid low. They're not victorious. They're not having an abundant life. They got hell on earth. And they're children of God, born of the Spirit of God. And I got to tell you, that just ain't right. Thanks for your enthusiasm. You know, God wants the best for you. So we got to ask ourselves, where is it that we're missing it here? Because the problem's not with God. It's got to be with us. How many of you are still glad you came? We'll see how you feel when it's over. But you know, it's important for us to understand this, you know, about Christians being laid low, never entering into what God has for them. You know, the Bible tells us that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance and have everlasting life. But you know, not everybody's going to be saved. Now, whose fault is that? Is that God's fault? No, because we read where he wants us all to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So it has to do, it has to be with the individual, either what they didn't know or what they didn't accept or, you know, whatever, you know, took them to wherever they're going. But thank God you and I, we don't have to have that kind of an experience. We can find out what the fullness of God's plan is for us and enjoy it. Whether it's redemption, provision, health, freedom, peace, wisdom, courage, victory, strength, joy. So that's why I want to talk to you about getting in where you belong, in the promised land. He promised us something. Huh? So as we look at this, um, you know, it's important for us to understand. I remember when... um, my middle son, uh, Brian's younger brother, uh, we bought a Mustang, and he's made com- comment or uh, things to it, maybe showed some pictures to you, but um, the, the, the thing that drove this decision is, is I was trying to reconnect with my middle son. Greg was a very gregarious kind of guy. He could, he could fit in any group. He could fit in the beer drinkers. He could fit in the pot smokers. He could fit with the athletes. He could do all that. Well, that was good, and that was bad. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Because they, you know, were influenced. So I bought this car, and I really do think Brian and I put most of it together, but that's beside the point, you know. But uh, when I bought the car, I bought it from a friend of mine. He was a minister down in Phoenix, Arizona, and he told me all about the car, and we had this conversation, and I got hooked, and I said, okay. And so I, I think I spent $4,800 on what was supposed to be there, and he sent it to us. And so they, they brought it up here on a truck. The thing was is he had torn the car completely apart. There wasn't a piece of uh, molding. There wasn't anything in the interior. I mean, the dash, everything, it was all gone. And uh, what he had done is he took everything, threw it in the car, and put it on a truck and said, everything's there, and sent it to us. And, you know, I'll be honest with you, when that, when that truck pulled up and, you know, they raised the bed and that thing came off there, I thought, dear God, what have I got myself into? <laughs> you know? Now, he said everything was there. And so the first thing we decided to do is we just kind of overtook and occupied our two-car garage. And I said, let's just lay every piece out on the floor and anything that looks the same, put them together. <laughs> and that's the way we started. Now, what I want to use as an illustration in this story is a simple fact that this was a mess, kind of like your life before you met Jesus. And then Jesus came, praise God, and changed your life forever and made you a new creation in Christ. But that didn't mean that you had all your stuff together. 
How many of you know what I'm talking about? It was like the floor of my garage. And for some of you, it, it could use some cleaning up right now. Okay, I didn't name any names, so it's all good. But it's true. You know, how many of you got these, these projects, you know, that you get all fired up, by golly, we're going to do this, you know, and you, you go after it, you know, but you get weary and well-doing, and you get tired, and sometimes you just get, well, burn out, and you get it just far enough to where you can actually just, I don't know, survive, live, or whatever, but it never gets done. Thanks for all you honest folk. Yeah. Well, again, sometimes when it comes to the way we quote unquote manage our lives, it's the same thing. Well, I'm going to get to it someday. I'm going to deal with that sometime. Yeah, I know I need to, but you know, whatever. And it never happens. Well, so what happens? You, well, you go without. You know, it's, it's not complete. You don't enjoy. How many of you have ever done this? You, you got those jobs, you got something, and let's say it's a, 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 a car, a home, a house, or whatever, and, and you want to sell it because you want to move to a different deal. And you've lived with this mess all your life, and, but in order to sell it, you're going to have to get it all fixed up. Am I in the right house? So you go to all this effort. You do it. Why? Because you want to sell it. And you want to make sure it sells well. And so you fix all this stuff up. <clears throat> and then all of a sudden you get it fixed. You think, dear God, I could have been living like this. I could have, you know, yeah, why am I selling it now? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, let's not wait. Let's find out what needs to be done. And let's get after it. Yeah. Amen. You know, that's what the Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Amen. Doesn't mean that any of us are perfect or none of us have arrived, but thank God we can do better. Can you say amen? amen. And so it becomes important where our lives are concerned. Now, Israel was God's chosen people, chosen by him because they were, as I said or mentioned earlier, the offspring of Abraham and the one which, with which that God made a covenant. So now, conversely, when it comes to you and me, listen to this verse. But you are a chosen generation. Talking about the believer. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. His own special people. Everybody say, I'm special. I'm special. Yeah. That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people but are now the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but thank God now you have. I said, thank God now you have. Amen. Amen. And the other aspect about this is, secondly, that the record that we have of God's dealings with Israel, it serves as a reminder or a model for you and I to learn by. In other words, let's learn from some other people's mistakes. What do you say? And that's what we're going to take a look at as we read this morning. The Bible says that all these things happen to them as examples. So when we read and we see what happened with the nation of Israel, we can see that they happened as examples. They're written, the Bible says, for our admonition. Now, the word admonition means to warn. 
Okay, it's a little bit stronger than if I exhort you, I'm, I'm endeavoring to encourage and to call you nearer to, you know, whatever it is that we're talking about. But when I admonish you, then it becomes a bit stronger in warning you that if you don't do this, then you won't enjoy God's best. How many of you want God's best? So anyway, it says they're written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world or ages are come. We are coming to the close of this dispensation and this, uh, I guess you would say that what we call or refer to as the church age. You know, we've been going along here for a couple thousand years since Jesus was resurrected and went up into heaven. And he said, as I go, so shall I come again. He's coming again. And we're right on the, the, the cuspid or the, the threshold of, of his return. So when we read this, it's, it's telling us that something happened in Israel's history. I want you to really be careful about what and, and really study and figure out what happened and then make sure that you don't let it happen to you, because, especially those of you upon whom the ends of the earth have come. Now let's look at this verse of Scripture together here in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and 1. It says, Moreover, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant. Aren't you glad for that? Now notice it says, How that all of our fathers. Everybody say all. all. Now notice he says, All of our fathers were under the cloud, and they all passed through the sea, and, and were all baptized. Everybody say all again. Yeah, you might underline the word all in each of these verses. It says, And all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and did all, everybody say all, they all did eat the same spiritual uh, meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. So he's making an analogy. Notice in verse 5, But with many of them, he was not well pleased. So all of them, you know, were under the cloud and went through the sea and the baptism that was represented. They drank the spiritual rock, you know, and, and so on and so forth. But the Bible says that with a lot of them, God was not well pleased. And the reason he wasn't pleased is because he, they didn't get to go where he wanted to take them. Are you with me? Now let's go on reading here. Notice it says they before or because they were overthrown. That means that they were laid low or scattered in the wilderness. Now, these things were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they lusted. Neither should we be idolaters as, they, as were some of them. As is written, the people sat down to eat and drank, rose up to play. Neither let, uh, neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one in, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, one day three and 20,000. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed of serpents, <clears throat> excuse me, and neither let us murmur, as some of them did, also murmured, <clears throat> and were destroyed of uh, the destroyer. And again, now all these things happen to them as examples are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the age or the earth shall have come. Now, in Romans chapter 15 and verse 4, the Bible says, whatever things were written aforetime were written for our, listen to this, learning. They were written for our learning. Romans chapter 15, verse 4. That we, through patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. 
I tell you, I'm so glad we've got hope in him. Amen. You look around the world, you see everything that's going on, you know. Now, the, the New International Version of this same verse says, everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, you and I might be able to have hope. Hallelujah. You don't, want, you don't have to live your life hopeless. You just got to have your hope in the right thing. If you're going to put it in the world and what the world has to offer, you're going to be disappointed. But thank God if you put your hope in him, I tell you what, he'll keep you, he'll carry you, he'll preserve you, he'll save you, he'll deliver you, he'll put you over, I tell you, glory to God. He'll watch over his word to perform it in your life because that's who he is. Hallelujah. So as a believer that's born again, I'm telling you, whether you realize it or not, I don't care what your age is, you are a person of great destiny. God has a plan for your life, whether you believe it or not. You know, a lot of folks, they're discouraged and dismayed, even though the Bible repeatedly says, don't be discouraged, do not fear, don't be dismayed. All of these different kinds of things. Believers, you know, they look at their lives and they're not happy with this or this didn't turn out right or whatever the case might be. Maybe that's where you're at right now. But I tell you what, it don't have to be that way anymore. I said it can change. Your life can be different from here forward if in fact that is where you find yourself to be. Because I tell you, God is able to redeem if we'll just come alongside his plan and say, God, not my will, but your will be done. Let me say that again. If we'll come alongside his plan, not our plan, his plan, and say, not my will, but your will be done. Because I'm telling you, he has got a plan for you. I quote it all the time in Jeremiah 29, 11. You know, he says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope, and to give you a future. Now, again, you know, there are a lot of Christians these days, they don't live with much hope. You know, they're all wrought up, knotted up, and tied up, and this, and, and a lot of them, the reason is they're not in the local church, now, don't get me started on that. I'll tell you what, you need the local church. They need the local church. It is a lifeline. You know, it wasn't our idea. It wasn't my idea. It was Jesus' idea. He said, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Well, it stands to reason, I think you can surmise, that if you're not in the church, you're not a part of the church, you're not engaged in the church, you're not doing church, if that's the right way to put it, well, then the gates of hell might prevail against you. And the truth of the matter is, that's exactly what's happening. But I'm telling you, it doesn't have to be that way. I said it doesn't have to be that way. And thank God you're here. I tell you what, I appreciate every one of you. What a privilege it is for me to stand in this pulpit and talk to you today. Because the thing is, is that God gave birth to all of this. Why on God's green earth? Would, I mean, if my wife and I were going to be pastors, why would we go to a cornfield? Huh? You know, you see the school, there's development, you know, different things, the DOT, you know, buildings over here, and a lot of things, you know, have, have changed or whatever. But dude, when we come out here in the sticks, it was a cornfield, period. And everybody thought we were crazy. But I tell you what, praise God, 40-some years later, look at this. Well, look what the Lord has done. And you know people, you know, I mean, how they are. 
They thought we'd ruin the family name because we got turned on to the Word and filled with the Holy Ghost. Years gone by, you know, you don't hear it so much now these days, but anybody that was Pentecostal, they were either tongue talkers or holy rollers. Huh? Well, they don't refer to it. Well, I don't know. Maybe they do. I don't spend a lot of time with them, you know. But I mean, when we first got saved, got turned on to the Word of God, you know. I mean, I'm, I think for sure some of our family members were convinced we had ruined the family name because we'd gotten filled with the Holy Ghost and were full of joy and had two three-hour church services. My God, what on earth can you do in church for two or three hours? Have church. Huh? We loved Jesus. He saved us. He redeemed. We wanted to know the truth. So we just started camping, glory to God, and having a big time and learning. And you know that process never ends. It keeps going and going and going. Now, having said that, you know, having ruined the family name, I think everything kind of turned out all right. Are you listening to me? I'm, I'm sure my, my mother-in-law, God bless her, went to heaven now. But I'm sure she thought we'd ruined the She thought I had ruined all kinds of names. <laughs> and in some ways, she's probably had a right to think that. But she didn't know about the grace of Jesus. Hallelujah. So, anyway, we are people of great destiny. Romans 15, 13 says, now may the God of hope. How many of you know we serve a God of hope? If you don't have hope, ask yourself what you're looking at. I said, just ask yourself what you look at, what you watch, what you think, what you listen to. If you don't have hope, because he is the God of hope the God of all hope, actually, fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in that hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. So there's, I mean, I don't know what it is that God has planned for you, but I tell you what, it's good. He's got peace for you. He's got joy. He's got happiness. He's got fulfillment. He has meaning for your life. People say, well, I don't know what I got to look forward to. You know, all I got to, you know, all I'm ever doing is just trying to survive. Well, you know what you ought to do is stop doing that and start to thrive. But you can't do that on your own. You can only do it in him. People say, yeah, I got your destiny. <laughs> I was thinking about how, how people think, you know, yeah, I got your destiny. All I seem to have is hell on earth. Well, you might have hell on earth, but it isn't by God's design. You can have heaven on earth if you want to. Thanks for your enthusiasm. But you sure enough can. I don't know whether you realize it or not, but you got a choice. I said, you have a choice. And I'm never going to get as far through this as I need to. I can tell you that right now. I'm, looking, I'm thinking about where I want to go, and I'm thinking, they ain't never going to work. Matter of fact, I told my wife, I said, I got 40 minutes. What am I going to do in 40 minutes? Well, I'm just going to do the best I can. So I'm going to have to get right to the, right down to the uh, short rows here on you real quick. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 11. Hallelujah. Let me tell you, young folk, are they here? They're not even in here. They're not here. Okay. Well, great. Yeah, you're a young guy. I can talk to you. Your future's bright, son, more than you know. 
Amen. And thank God for your wife, because she's the one that makes that possible. Hallelujah. Amen. And I, I'm in the same boat. I mean, you know, hallelujah. Thank God for good wives. Um, notice with me in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 11. This is this story again. And actually, this is before they enter the land, but Moses is giving them some instruction. And let's start with verse 8. Y'all all, all right so far? You doing okay? All right, look with me in verse 8 of the 11th chapter of Deuteronomy. Therefore, you shall keep all the commandments which I command you this day, that you may be strong and go in and possess the land where you go to possess it. And that you be, uh, or that you may prolong your days in the land. How many of you know God will multiply your days? You know, some people may have the mistaken idea. They think, well, you know, it's, it's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. And the implication in, that, in them saying that is, is you don't have anything to do with how long you live. Well, I got news for you. You do have a, a lot to do with how long you live. Your days can be multiplied, or your days can be shortened. I have a lot of classmates and kids that I went to school with and everything, they're dead. I had one of my best friends, 47 years old, he's dead. And he became a believer, but he never lived in, he didn't live an ounce of it out. And, you know, got sucked back into the world and they found him dead in a bathroom floor. 47 years old. I have another friend of mine, good friend of mine I went to school with, graduated with, 60 years old. He's, 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 thank God he's in heaven. They both made heaven, but they didn't live out the full length of their days. The Bible says, with long life will I satisfy you and show you my salvation. Huh? He wants you to have a long life. Praise God. And show you my until you're at least satisfied. You say, well, what age is that? I don't know. You just get satisfied, and then you can go home. If you're not satisfied, keep on moving. Are you with me? So that your days, again, may be prolonged. You interrupted me. I was trying to read this verse of Scripture here. <laughs> verse 9, that you may prolong your days in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them in their, and to their seed, a land that flows with milk and honey. For the land where you go in to possess it, Everybody say, possess it. You know, he says that about eight times in here when you read these verses. You go in to possess it. It's not like the land of Egypt from whence you came, uh, came out, where you sowed your seed and you watered it with your foot as a garden of herbs. But the land where you're going to go to possess it is a land of hills and valleys and drinks water from the rain of heaven and the land which the Lord thy God cares for and the eyes of the Lord your God are always upon it from the beginning of the year even to the end of it. And it'll come to pass that if you shall hearken diligently to my commandments, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God, to serve him with all your heart and all your soul, that I will give you the rain of your land in his due season, the first rain, the latter rain, that thou mayest gather in thy corn, thy wine, thy oil, and I will send grass in the fields for your cattle that you mayest eat or they may eat and be full. 
Take heed yourselves that your heart be not deceived and that you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. And then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you and shut up the heavens and there is no rain and that the land yield not her fruit lest you perish quickly from off of the good land which the Lord gives you. Then he goes on then to say in 18, Wherefore, you shall lay up these words in your heart and in your soul, bind them as a sign upon your hand, that, that they may be as frontlets between your eyes, and you shall teach them to your children. Speak of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, and thou shalt write them upon the doorposts of your house and your gates. Verse 21, that your days again may be multiplied and the days of your children in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them as the days of heaven upon earth. Thank God he said, I want to take you to a place where you can have heaven on earth. Are you listening to me? He said, now you have to understand Egypt is a type of the world. And you and I, when we met Jesus, we came out of the world, or at least we were supposed to. Are you with me? So we're no longer a part of that, and we've come into salvation, and we've been born of the Spirit of God. Now, I've got to give my abbreviated version of this, otherwise we'd be here till 4 o'clock. But you know, these people were delivered by the benevolent, righteous, powerful hand of God. And he was taken, it's only 11 days, and it took them 40 years, and they still never got in. Now, you know, you think about that where Christians are concerned, and you know, it wouldn't be that big of a journey for you to get where it is that God wants you to go if you would just give him all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and that you would submit yourself to him, am I in the right house? Amen. Come on now. Amen. You know, problems within our lives are really pretty solvable pretty quick if we are willing. He said, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. But if you're not, then you won't, okay? It's just that simple. It's solvable. How am I doing? It's tight. It's right. And again, let me just tell you, I mean, I, I'd, like to, I'd like to stand up here, spit cotton all over the place, you know, get you to hang from, you know, the chandeliers. But I want to help you. I told Joan, I said, you know, I just, I want to help people. I want to help them because I know that heaven has something better for them than what they are experiencing right now. But the problem isn't with heaven, and it's not with God. Now, I'm going to make this statement, so hang on. It's with you. Okay? It's not your spouse. It's not your situation. It's not your upbringing. It's you. Okay, and that's not an indictment. You don't have to get all jacked up now and never, you know, hear another thing that I say. But I tell you what, if you will humble yourself before God and say, God, I, you're, he's right. I, I, I don't have this together. I need your help. And you surrender to him. You know what? He'll do it. Amen. He'll fix it. Now, my wife, I, I don't, I, to, listen, I don't know how. I ended up with her, but I am so thankful because I married up. She married down, okay? You don't know me how I was, and you can thank God for that. Now, some people do, but you just be quiet. <laughs> <clears throat> 
I was not the best material. And as I mentioned to you before, her mother-in-law did not think I was good material at all. <laughs> but I got saved. I said, but I got saved. And he changed my life. Now, I still had a garage full of mess. I had parts everywhere. But thank God, you know, I did more growing up. Well, here's the deal. I proposed to this woman on June 11th. We're gonna, we're gonna have the opportunity to celebrate 46 years of marriage in about two weeks. Hallelujah. But I proposed to her on June the 11th. Yeah. It was the same night that I was called into the ministry. We were going to a church service. And we were on our way. And like I said, I didn't do a real good job on the whole proposal thing, but I got it out there, okay? You know, and so we're on our way. We go to this church service. The Spirit of God uh, calls me out of the service, you know, as an individual and says, you know, there's things that have been going on in your heart tonight. When this service is over, you're going to know exactly what it is that you're supposed to do. Well, at the end, she, we got in the car. We're driving away. And uh, she says, so what did he say? I said, I'm called into the ministry. Now, right then, she could have said, okay, time out, I'm out. But you know, she didn't do that. I said she didn't do that. And it was because of the fabric of what it is that she was made out of. Now, I don't know, maybe now that she knows everything we went through, maybe she would have maybe reconsidered that. Because we went through hell. How many of you ever been through hell? Several times, maybe. You know, and so, you know, but I tell you what, this woman stood by me every time. I mean, even to this day, if I said, you know what, God wants us to do this, she'd say, when are we leaving? Amen. And that speaks volumes of her. Are you listening to me? And I guarantee you, I would never have made it without her. Never. Absolutely. Never. So you ought to thank God for her. Amen. Amen. That's right. But, you know, when we got married, I mean, like I said, my mother-in-law, she was like, uh, well, not only did she, well, it's just, you know, when, I t when we told them we were going to start a church, that did not go over well. You're going to do what? What's wrong with our church, you know? And, I mean, it was a mess. She never spoke to me for, actually, she never spoke to me for six weeks. When, and I don't know to this day, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask her what happened. <laughs> because she would not look at me, speak to me, have anything to do with me when we told her that we were starting. And I'll tell you exactly why. She was so concerned about what everybody else was gonna think when we did this. You're gonna ruin our name. And I'm sure that that's what she felt that we had done. But you know, over the years, and you know, it took some time, but thank God we made it. Well, all that time, I'm having to kind of get myself together. But anyway, she didn't talk to us. And, and I don't know what happened. But it was like everything was dark. And all of a sudden, somebody flipped on a light. And you would never have known that any of this had anything to do. I don't know if she got visited by an angel or if God just spoke to her, you know, because she's a godly woman. You know, but she was troubled with what it, and, and we had a lot of folk, you know, when, when in this charismatic movement, and they're getting filled with the Holy Ghost, turned on to the Word of God, and they're all having choices. They all have decisions that they've got to make, and, and some of them can't make them 
because they're too concerned about what everybody else is going to think. And they don't make them. And so they just go live a nominal Christian life. Sad. Baby, I'm telling you, when God wants you to go into promised land, get across the river. See, in this story, and we, again, we don't have time, but in this story, they got right up to, God had done all these marvelous things, brought them right up to Kadesh Barnea. They're on the bank. And all they got to do is go to the other side. And so they sent the 40 out, and they came back. They gave a report, and they said, no, we can't do it. There's giants in the land. There's walled cities. I got problems in my life. I can't get this cleaned up. I can't change. I don't want to change. Well, guess what? You're going to stay on that side of the creek. And you're never going to enjoy what it is that heaven had for you. Now, I know that you're here today because you don't want to stay there. Come on. But the reality is, is you're the one that's going to make the decision about what you're going to do, where you're going to go, what you're going to have. Are you with me? When we got married, I mean, I grew up, I, I grew up more in the first nine months than I had in my entire 19 year, or let's see, when, when was married, 19, 20, 21, 21 years of my life. Because we went to school. I proposed, I got called on June the 11th. We got married on June, or, uh, August the 21st, two months later. That's another reason why my mother-in-law thought I was crazy. She, you know, we're going to get married like in three months, or maybe it's not even that long. But we got things to do here. We're going to, we're going to get to Ramah because I'm going to be in school by the 7th of September. Okay? And we did it. We made it. There are a lot of things you can do that you don't think you can do. <clears throat> but anyway, where was I on all that? Um, hmm. so, huh? Growing up, Growing up. So we go to Bible school. And when we go to Bible school, we ain't got nothing. And she came out of a home. They had everything. She had everything. She had a nice car. She had everything. Her dad took care of her. She had nice clothes. She had a, I mean, she looked like she just came out of a band box. I mean, beautiful. Now she marries me. Well, hang on, honey. You know, we, we got nothing, but I tell you, stay with me. And she did. I said, she did. She did. Then, then, I don't know why, somehow or another, she got pregnant <laughs> with him. So now we got a real problem. Not only am I down there, not him, he wasn't a problem, but we're down there and we can't hardly make a living or anything of that nature, and she's pregnant. Yeah, I'll tell you what, you do some growing up because you're either going to become responsible or you're going to cut and run. And I was not going to cut and run. Are you listening to me? So a lot of things got brought to bear on my character and who I was as a person and what I was going to do. And the same thing, dear friends, is true with you. You talk about your marriage, you talk about your life, you talk about your children, all of those different kinds of things. Yes, there are going to be some hard spots. And you're going to have to deal with it. And it isn't anybody else's fault, okay? The, the, the best thing you can do yourself a favor in doing is stop blaming everybody else for your stuff. 
Some people say, well, you know, I was just, I, I was raised in this dysfunctional, you know, uh, environment. My parents were nuts and everything, you know. So was mine. I mean, kind of, yeah. Everybody's deal is different. If you want to use that as an excuse, you can. But you don't have to. You can say, you know what? Yes, my life was jacked. And my parents, they influenced me in the wrong way. But this is not the way it's going to be for me. Because I am coming out. And I'm going to obey God. I'm going to do the will of God. And I'm going to change. If I have to change, I'm going to change. Are you with me? So that we don't live our life. You know, some, some, some adults, our, our, our parents, they're manipulative, you know. And, and whether you realize it or not, that seed gets in you. And then you start seeing vestiges of it in your life and you hate it and you can't figure out where it came from. I'll tell you where it came from. It came from them. You know, my dad, he died when he was 59 of cirrhosis of the liver because my whole family drank like a bunch of fish. And I learned well. Party on, dudes. Budweiser. Of course, we don't drink that no more, you know. Thank God. But you, you become a product of your environment. But listen, you know, it's just like, listen, listen to the, you know, Israel, you know, God delivered them and he brought them out of Egypt, but he couldn't get Egypt out of them. Now you, dear friend, are a child of God, born of his spirit, and his spirit dwells in you. And he has empowered you to be able to deal with all of these things. And I'll just be real honest with you because I'm about out of time. At the end of the day, it's just a matter of whether you're going to follow your heart and the spirit of God or if you're going to allow your flesh to dominate you. That's it. Okay? Period. Wow, that was a great message, Pastor. You know, don't be like, you know... (laughs) The song the Southern Baptists used to sing, they said, On Jordan's stormy banks I stand and cast a wistful eye to Canaan's fair and happy land where my possessions lie. Oh, won't you come and go with me to this land of Canaan? Well, you don't have to praise God, stand on the other side of Canaan and cast a wistful eye. Dude, go across the river. Get in the land and begin to possess your possessions and enjoy heaven's best where you're like, quit making excuses. Hallelujah. People step right up to the edge of Christ's redemption and stare longingly at, the, at God's blessing and say, well, you know, I guess if God wants me to have it, that he'll give it to me. It's not true. A lot of folk, you know, well, I guess if God wants to save me, he will. Well, you got a part to play in that. You need to give your heart to him and surrender it and say, I'm going to live for you. People, you know, like the Holy Ghost. I mean, we we fought small wars over the Holy Ghost. My God, they speak with other tongues. Hallelujah! And thank God for it. You ought to do a little of it on your own. Yeah, you know, it's spooky. Well, it's only spooky because you don't understand it. You know, and, and really, if you want to fight about it, take it up with Jesus. 
because he's the one who baptizes us in the Holy Ghost. Are you listening to me? And people will say, well, you don't need to have all that. You don't. Yeah, and look how they live. Come on. I'm about done. I'll cut you loose here pretty quick. You can go out, put bandages on yourself, you know, do whatever it is you got to do in the car to get fixed back up. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? You know, I, I only get here once in a while, and so I'm just going to go for it. You know, thing is, you know, well, I guess if he wants me to have it, he'll give it to me. Some people, you know, I bless their hearts. They're so stinking moody. And I didn't name any names. And if you'll just keep looking straight ahead, nobody will know I'm talking about you. But I mean, they pout and they fuss. I mean, there's no joy. Come on, man. Dude, I want to take you out by a fire hydrant and stand you there and open up the valve and just wash you off. And I want the water to be really cold. <laughs> and, and, and the reason I bring this up is, is because everybody around you has to put up with you. So stop it. Get happy. <laughs> Choose to be happy. You say, well, you know, I just, you know, you, you, I, it's, it is an amazing thing, you guys, and I'll just be honest with you, and this includes me and everybody else, but there's stuff that can get entrenched on the inside of you that you don't even know is there, and you say, Jesus, turn the light on. Show me what in the heck is going on here. What am I doing wrong? Are you with me? You can, you, you, I mean, your life can change. Your marriage can change. Your kids, all of it, it can change if we'll just open our hearts to him. Say, God, I want to be in the land of promise. I don't want to be out here banging around with a bunch of unbelieving outfits, you know, wandering around the wilderness till we die. Come on, that's not a good picture. Come on. So... Um, people will say, you know, and I, I quoted that, that hymn, you know, and people say, well, you know, that, that Canaan's land is a type of heaven. No, it's not. Because when they went into Canaan's land, they had battles to fight. They had giants to overcome. They had walled cities they had to deal with. There ain't going to be none of that in heaven. It can't be a type of heaven. You know, it can't symbolize heaven. You know what I'm saying? I'll tell you what, the, what Canaan's land is. It is a type of the redemptive work of the Lord Jesus Christ and what it is that he's done for you, and he wants you to go in and possess the land. Huh? Possess whatever it is that he's promised in his word so that you can enjoy heaven's best. Glory to God. You know, people, people just say, well, you know, you just can't expect, you know, uh, people to live like that. Why not? Why can't we? You know, or people will say, well, you just can't expect me to change like that. Why not? You know, I, I'm sure that in pastoral ministry, if, if pastors had a chance, they just slap the living daylights out of you until you get it. <laughs> but he doesn't let us do that. Doggone it. So, so, so what, do, what do we have to do? We just tell them the truth. That's all you can do. You give people the truth. You say, can your life change? Absolutely. Can your life be different? Absolutely. Can you have heaven on earth? Absolutely. But, but here's the deal. You got to stop blaming, making excuses, and all these different kinds. I'm going to share one more verse of Scripture with you. And, and this is tough, but it'll be good. Okay, you're, you ready for that? Okay, uh, turn to Luke chapter 16. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 16. 
And look, look at this verse with me. Now, as I was praying about this and thinking about people and wanting to help people, and, and um, I was sharing this with my wife, I said, you know, I'm all over the place on what I'm supposed to do here. Well, after I got done preaching to her, she goes, sounds to me like you got a pretty good thing going. I said, well, I sure hope so. Hallelujah. Y'all still glad you came? Listen, I'm telling you this stuff because I love you, man. I don't want you to fight. I don't want you to fuss. I don't want you to have problems. I want you to have heaven on earth. My wife and I, that's why we do what we do is to help people. But I'm praying and I'm asking the Lord and, and all of a sudden this phrase comes up on the inside of me. I don't even know where it's at. I know it's in the Bible, but I don't know where it's at. And so I found it. And notice in uh, chapter 16 of Luke, in verse 13, Jesus is talking to, let's, let's, get, the, let's get the setting, he's talking to a bunch of Pharisees and, and uh, Jewish religious people at this point, and he makes this statement to them in verse 13. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Huh. And the Pharisees also, who were what? They were what? Covetous. You know, when you, when you tell somebody you can't serve God and money and you're covetous, that's a problem. You're not going to like that. Notice what it goes on to say. They were covetous. And what, did, what does it go on then to say? When they heard these things, well, New King James says they derided him. Now, I don't, I don't know if we can even get our head wrapped around what this environment might have been like. But Jesus is there by himself, and he's got a host of individuals that are not happy with him. They're not in favor of him. They don't like him. Matter of fact, some of them are trying to figure out how they can kill him. I mean, literally. And the Bible says that this, this bunch that did, I mean, you talk about magnanimity. You talk about strength. You talk about power. You talk about glory to God. He's standing in the middle of them, and what's he doing? He's telling them the truth. He said, you can't serve God in money. You're either going to love one, hold the other, or you're going to serve one, not the other one. You know, and they're supposed to be serving God because, by golly, they're the religious leaders of the day. But they're not. I said they're not. They're in it for their own gain. So he goes on then and says, and they derided him. In verse 15, and then he said to them, this is the, this is the phrase that God gave to me. You are they that justify yourselves. Now when it comes to our lives, okay, hold on with me here. And we all do it. I'll, I'll throw myself in the bucket, okay? But a lot of times when it comes to us having to deal with stuff in our lives, we justify ourselves. Well, it's not my fault. You know, if they just straighten up and they do something different, it ain't about them. It's about you. I mean, that's when, you know, we're talking about where the rubber meets the road, okay? And, and he just told him, he said, now listen, 
Let's read the verse so we can get the whole context of what it is that's being said here. He said, you are they that justify yourselves before men. He said, but God knows your heart, for that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. He said, the law and the prophets were until John, and since that time the kingdom is being preached, and every man, every man presses into it, is pushing into it. And it's easier for heaven and earth to pass away than one of the uh, one tittle or period of the law to fall. And then he goes on and he starts saying, whoever puts away his wife commits adultery. In other words, divorces his wife. Now, let me explain the context because this scripture has been taken out of its context and messed a lot of people up. How many of you know that God hates divorce, but he loves divorced people? Okay? And so what you need to understand is the backstory of what it is. It's going, why is Jesus bringing this up in the situation? Because number one, they were covetous. Number two, they were uh, giving their wives a writing of divorcement for any cause. Eh, I don't like her anymore. So in their law, they had created a, you know, what do you call it? Uh, Go around or a huh? A loophole, you know, and say, "No, nah, just give them a ride and divorce me and get rid of them. Go get her, and if you don't like her, you can get rid of her." Well, what a great example! Are you with me? The leaders within the church doing what their deal. And so I say all of that, and that's enough of that to be able to understand the context of that. Please know, I mean, we have all kinds of people that have experienced the ravages of divorce. And it's to be regretted happens, you guys. I mean, stuff happens. But, but how do we restore? How do we pick up the pieces? How do we not do it again? You know, you know what I'm saying? Because there's forgiveness with him. He just said, you know, that if you're faithful or if you, for, if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. God's not withholding all that business to you. Yes, it's to be regretted. Yes, it has big impacts, you know, not only on your lives, but if you've got kids, that's another thing. Are you with me? We all understand that. But, but I, what I don't want you to do is take this out of its context because the problem with the Pharisees is they were using it for any reason. And the law said, unless there's infidelity, there is no reason. But they, they did their thing. You, you with me? Okay. That wasn't really my point. My point to these verses was that when I was praying about this, the Lord spoke to me and said, you are they that justify yourself. There's been many times, you know, when, when maybe my wife and I didn't agree and she was right, but I'd, I'd go about to try to justify myself. Are you in the right house? Well, you just can't do that anymore. Not if you're going to go into the promised land. You've you got to take stock of, of, of what's really going on, and you have to take responsibility. And that's a character issue. Now, I mentioned to you, you know, after I got saved, my garage was a mess. And I had to do a lot of growing up. And the first thing I had to do is I had to start taking uh, responsibility and being a person of character. Where I I wouldn't let people control me. I wouldn't let money control me. I wouldn't let all these other things. That I was supposed to love my wife as Christ loved the church. And those are character issues. 
And God doesn't want you to be characterless. He wants it to grow so that when people look at you, they go, there you go. That's what I'm talking about. I want me some of that. Are you with me? And you can have it. Everybody say, I can have it. You can have it. I mean, those of you that are married, I mean, you can have heaven on earth. You can enjoy heaven's best. Those of you that are proposing to be married or want to be married or things that choose wisely. Don't, don't put up with everything like my wife did. Get a good one. You say, there are no good ones. Yes, there are. <laughs> They're just far and few in between. Are you with me? Don't, don't, don't ever tell yourself, well, I'll change them. No, you won't. <laughs> They'll probably get worse. Huh? I remember one time my wife and I were young in ministry. I'm trying to close. We were young in ministry, and this woman come up to us, and she had had a failed marriage, and she was younger and things. And, and uh, she says, well, you just don't know how good you got it. Well, whenever they say something about like that with that tone, you can just about bet there might be an issue on the other end of that conversation. You just don't know how easy you got it. Well, we didn't have it easy. We went through hell lots of times, but we stayed together. And I'm not talking about between us. We didn't have any problem at all. We had a big time. Our problem was outside, people. <laughs> you know? And I tell you what, man, uh, we got treated pretty ugly sometimes. And I thank God for that woman because she stayed with me. And she stayed at my side. People said awful things. They accused us of all kinds of junk. You know, but we didn't let that, you know, now our, our, our skin's so stinking thick. I mean, you know, we're like one of those, what are those, those fish in the Amazon, those para, piranha. huh? Piranha. Not a piranha. There's a fish in the Amazon that's got hide on it like, well, no, not these boots. I got a pair of the boots, Pararoku or something like that. I don't know if you can even buy that. Merle, can you buy them anymore? No. So anyway, they're probably endangered or something. I don't know. But they got, I mean, you don't live in the Amazon very long if you're not thick-skinned. Are you with me? It just goes with it. But we did it together. You can do it together. You can win. You got, you got kid problems? Do it together. If you don't have anybody to do it together with, do it with him. You know what I'm saying? Hallelujah. Well, I've talked long enough. Well, no, I probably haven't, but we're done. Because uh, if we keep going, then it'll get late. How many are glad you came? Yes. How many are going to go to work? Yes. You know, there's a bigger amen on that first thing than the second one. Did you notice that? <clears throat> it, 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 it does take work. It, it, it requires you humbling yourself. And, and really, you guys, I mean, if there's anything I can say to close, he just wants the best for you. But, but, but you won't ever have it if you're never honest with yourself. You got to be honest with yourself. And so you can't make excuses. You can't try to justify yourself. You can't, you can't do any of that. You can't do that. You got you to gotta say, God... You know, um, we're, we're having problems here. Or I'm having problems here. Or this isn't right or whatever. And you just got to say, I, I, want you, you, I want you to help me. And he will. And he'll tell you things that maybe you don't want to hear. 
And you may have to, you know, I guarantee you that in this process, it'll require change. But I tell you what, praise God, you can have heaven on earth. Like I said, two weeks from now, 46 years of marriage, and my wife and I, we got, <clears throat> we got heaven on earth. We love our lives. We love one another. And you can have the same thing. I said, you can have the same thing. Amen. Now, she's still working on me, you know. She'll say, um, you, you weren't planning on going out of the house looking like that, were you? And, you know, I've been working on these shirts for, I mean, years. I finally got them to where they're, you know, kind of really comfortable and everything. I said, no, no, I wouldn't plan on, no, ha uh-uh. We'll dress up, you know. Are you with me? You got to thank God for your spouse. Instead of throwing rocks at them, amen? You know, amen. Be kind to one another. Put on meekness, kindness, gentleness. That's the fruit of the Spirit. Are you with me? And that'll bring change to your life. We were just out for dinner the other night. And... uh, Whenever I buy a steak, I always give my wife the best part. Because she say, you want to split this? I said, sure. You know, and so, you know, on a ribeye, there's a better part than all the rest. She gets that. If you buy a T-bone steak, she gets the filet, not the New York strip. You guys are all looking at me like, I ain't going to give that up. <laughs> Let her buy her own, you know. Well, you can do whatever you want. But I tell you what, praise God, we ought to to love one another. We ought to give one another our best. You know, like I said, a lot of this stuff, it could be a lot easier. But I need to quit talking. So why don't you bow your heads with me for just a moment. Jesus, we love you. And I'm so thankful for what it is you've done in coming to this earthbound existence and giving your life as a ransom for us. You made us one with you. You gave new life to us. And you said you had a place called life and life more abundant that you wanted us to go to. God, my prayer today, my hope is, is that I've communicated this in a way where it's, it's correctly understood, rightly divided, and that in the context of it, that it, it, it has the element of our loving one another. But God, I pray for our congregation, even those that aren't here today. Maybe they're watching online, but I pray for them, Father. <laughs> that each and every day of their life, that they'll surrender their hearts to you and that they will look to you and that they will pray, Lord, make me a blessing to the people that are around them. Father, help them to own the things that they need to own in their life. But at the same time, grant them mercy, Father, and grace so that they can come up higher and enjoy all that heaven has to afford. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for everything that you've done in our lives. Help us jump the river, Lord. 
Let us not stay in a wilderness someplace, but help us get to the other side, and you will help us to possess our possessions. While every head's bowed, every eye's closed, no one's looking around. If you're here today, this really hasn't been our subject, but it's part of kingdom principle and possessing the land. But if you've never asked Christ to come into your heart and be the Lord of your life, that's step one. Because the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There are none righteous, no, not one. But the Bible does say that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So salvation is not a, a question of fate or left up to the Lord. It's, it's you. He provided something for you. I didn't know that until I was 19 years old. But when I discovered it, I asked him to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. And he changed me from the inside out. So if you've never, ever made a commitment to Christ and you say by your uplifted hand, Pastor, I have, a I have an interest in your prayer. I want to I I know him. Can I see your hand anywhere as I look? across the crowd. You're, you've never been, as the scriptures describe, born again. Now, if you understand that, you know the meaning of it, and you have, then, then this doesn't apply. Anyone as I look, one more time, anyone at all. Well, Father, I'm, I'm thankful for the salvations that are already in this house, and the people, Father, that you brought into the kingdom. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father for your mercy and for your goodness. Now, while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, I just wanna, I wanna give you an opportunity. Um, I wanna give you an opportunity to make some things right in your own heart with the Lord. If, if what I have said has, has struck a chord with you somehow where your life is concerned, then I just wanna give you an opportunity to talk to the Lord about it. Because sometimes, you know, preachers, we get done, Everybody, you know, greets one another and away we go and there's never a decision made. So I'm gonna lead you in a prayer and I don't know where you're at, I don't know what the situation is, but this will apply. So just say this with me, dear Heavenly Father, I come to you this morning and I have heard your voice and I ask you to forgive me for being wrong and doing wrong in my life and I surrender my heart to you. Help me, Lord, to do your will, to be the person that you want me to be. Father, thank you for your divine grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, that'll be a start, hallelujah. Y'all glad you came? Say, yeah, but you know, you didn't leave the place shaken when we left. It's okay. You know, I can give you a, a 10 minute sermonette, you know, and a little social gospel and whatever, and it'll do you no good, or I could give you what I gave you today. And I tell you what, praise God, I want people to be healed of their mess and their funk. All right, so stand with me, if you will, because otherwise, I'll, oh, it's communion. Never mind, sit down again. Is that mine? Okay. I'm sorry. <clears throat> um, well, this will fit right in. Because when they came out of Egypt, they came out of the world, God instituted a thing called Passover. And they were to partake of the lamb, go in the strength thereof. And the Bible says there was not one feeble among their tribe. So there was a healing, a wholeness, a strength, a power that came as a result of their partaking 
So when Jesus instituted this with his disciples, he said, as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim or declare the Lord's death until he comes. His death is what made all of this possible for you and me. So we come to the table to not only celebrate it, but just to thank God for his goodness and mercy toward us, amen? His body was broken, his blood was shed, so that today we could be here and have a personal relationship with the creator of heaven and earth. I tell you what, you guys, we're going to heaven not long from now. And so we can rejoice and we can be glad, hallelujah. (laughs) All our tears, all our sorrows, they'll all be washed away. And it'll be awesome. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you for this, uh, this bread that we hold in our hand representing the body of Christ. Father, he took upon himself those stripes that by them we may be healed. And we acknowledge that this day and we want to thank you, Father God, for your healing power. You said that if the spirit of Christ or the spirit of him that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us, that, Father, you'll quicken and make alive our mortal body. So I thank you, Father, for health, wholeness, well-being, soundness within our body, supernaturally by your spirit, because we trust and believe in you. In Jesus' name, you may partake. And then also he took the cup after he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this cup. It is without question a cup of life that represents the shed blood of the Lord Jesus. You said that without the shedding of blood, there could be no remission of of sin. And you took it upon yourself, Father, to offer your son as a gift. And so today, Father, again, we acknowledge, hallelujah, your grace, your mercy. So thankful we are, Father, for your blessing in this cup, in Jesus' name. You may partake of the cup. Hallelujah. Amen. I think there's a dispenser at the door if you would just be willing to take those things out. Now, you can stand. Well, once again, let me just say that, you know, Joe and I, and along with Pastor Brian and Rachel, we, we really love you guys. We're so glad you're here. And like I said, what a privilege it has been for me to be able to stand here today and communicate with you. So be blessed. Have a great week. We've got our Wednesday night service coming up, and then next Sunday, Pastor Brian will be back in the pulpit again, have a good word for you. Hallelujah. And um, so go out there, praise God, and possess the land, will you? All right, turn, shake hands with somebody. You can be dismissed.